2: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home on 101.5 Word
3: FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along. The sun is out. The sun is out. It's actually blinding Kath. Kathy. It is. I, I, can't,
4: I can't even see your face. I can only see you in profile, John. Because <laughs> there's so much sunshine behind you. It's an unusual <laughs> meteorological phenomenon in little, Pittsburgh. I'm, is there a
3: halo over my head there?
4: I'm unsettled by it.
3: It's very, very nice. How are things here in the city of Pittsburgh?
4: Well, it's sunny. The Steelers are still out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Penguins are surging. Mm-hmm. And it's National Chocolate-Covered Cherries Day.
3: Oh. Do you like yourself a chocolate-covered cherry?
4: Listen. Those little things are oh. so good.
3: They changed my life. They did? Well, yeah. how they change your life? they introduce you to your wife or something? Well, no, no. Um, my wife, uh, and I think this is true of you, people in the know, she is a dark chocolate lover. It's just better. There's no comparison. So years ago. It's a
4: more sophisticated taste.
3: I, I just think it tastes better. Mm-hmm. Many, many years ago, she said to me, here, put this in your mouth and don't bite down on it. Just let it melt. I'm like, what's going on? So Had
4: you ever had one before?
3: Uh, yeah, but you know what I mean. Maybe when I was a kid or mm. something like that. And you were like,
4: you put it in your mouth, started chomping right on it. Right away, and I right.
3: swallow it. Mm. It's done in 30 seconds. That's it. So I did as she said, of course. And holy smokes, that little dark-covered, chocolate-covered mm. cherry proceeded to melt in my mouth over a period of like, which I thought was like, you know, it was a long time. Mm-hmm. And it, it ratcheted up the intensity and the... I mean the unbelievable taste sensation mm-hmm. that only a chocolate covered cherry can produce—a darkly covered chocolate cherry. So I, I sort of credit that because, of course, one—you know me—one is never enough. So, sure. What happened was there was a quick decline in my physical state as I sort of became
4: what as you were as you were letting it melt. It was kind
3: of a gateway drug. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I was on you know, a quest.
4: We're, we're going to be talking later in the show about what's this title? Uh, Marijuana is more dangerous than you think. Are you are you linking the two? That there's.
3: I'm just saying, uh, given the one-two punch of that, holy smokes, <laughs> you're in big trouble. So if you if you yourself have some sort of you know penchant for a, a, an addictive personality, you might want to stay away from dark covered, chocolate okay, covered Okay, so you said, what
4: you're so you're actually saying it led you down <laughs> some kind of. Dark path or caloric well, path or what?
3: <laughs> caloric path. Yeah, I would look at myself. I would look at photos of myself, probably you know, like my mid thirties, um, meeting my wife, and then as I evolved into a man in his early forties, clearly there was a decline in my overall appearance, and I pegged that on chocolate covered oh, cherries.
4: Really? I did. I mean, that's a lot of responsibility to I, put on a small candy. I'm. I'm
3: Look, we've never talked about this before, oh, so yeah. I had to bring it up and just tell you that's my story.
4: Wow! All right,
3: I, I'm John Hall. Hi, <laughs> I, John.
4: I don't want to diminish this tale that you've told. L- let me just ask for more information. Does yeah. it have do First of all, do you still feel this way about the chocolate covered cherry?
3: I'm, I'm just comfortable with my appearance.
4: Okay, great. So you're still committed to them? <laughs> do you no. have them regularly?
3: No, I mean, but especially at Christmas time. Oh, is it holiday? My wife food? will buy buy several boxes of them,
4: mm. and is there one particular brand that you're loyal to?
3: No. No, I can't say that there is. As long as they're dark covered chocolate cherries.
4: Okay. So Ocello, is that the one brand? Oh, that that's the little the red one? box. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a, is that a good thing? It's Cellis. fine.
3: What would you say? Cellus. Cellus. Oh, Celis.
4: C-E- yeah. Oh, so there's no O?
3: I don't know. No, I don't think
4: so. Oh, so I made them Irish.
3: You did. It's a fine Ocellos some chocolate-covered cherry. It's a fine day for a Whatever. one. Whatever. Put it in your mouth and watch it melt Look, away. Look, they're not
4: an advertiser to the station. Your cares will
3: melt away just like the cherries. I mean, both of you can pipe down a little about it's it. It's a fine day for one.
4: <laughs> Mike, do you like a chocolate-covered cherry? I love that. I,
3: I live on those
5: during the holidays. Do oh, you really? See, there, see there
4: was a tradition. No, So it's, what, Christmas? Yes.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: See, we didn't. that's not a Christmas thing for us. Really? Now, I, all of a sudden, I wish it was. Well,
3: they're on the shelves at Christmas. Oh, yeah. The sellers, especially. And for some reason, they're always on sale. So, you know, I'll just buy them. Because,
4: again, you said it's a gateway drug. They're trying to get you sucked in.
3: Well, I'm here to tell the tale.
4: (laughs) And, Mike, you said yesterday that perhaps you had gained some unexpected poundage. Oh, yeah. I've gained at least, you know.
3: 20 pounds?
4: At least. At least 20 pounds. Not over Christmas. I don't know.
3: Wait. Now, here's the deal. If you're gaining 20 pounds, then your pants, your waist size... And you, you has increased. I
4: mean, are you are you experiencing my,
5: like water weight gain or what's happening? Oh. Listen, look, my belt. I'm on the last hole of my belt. Yeah, yeah right we're looking. Now. Okay. I used
4: to have. I used to be on number three. Yeah. Oh. I'm on the last one. Yep. Wow. Okay. So what you I'm used upgrading. to be on three? What are you on now? One. One. Mm-hmm. I'm on my last one, and it's he's too moved, tight. He's you know. moved from
3: three to one. Here's a problem. When you, I, I've, I've been there, Mike. When you start to get like belt abrasions on your stomach, <laughs> you know you're in trouble. Oh, believe- and that's not a joke. Again, I live to tell the tale. tale. So th- once that belt starts to push into your flesh, you yeah. go, okay, i got to back off.
4: I'm getting indentations. Uh, that's it? Yeah.
3: That's mm-hmm. the problem. All
4: right. So it's it a chocolate-covered chocolate covered cherry indentation day, mm-hmm. and we're so happy you've joined us for today's ride home. <laughs> Sella,
3: brought to you by Celos.
4: By Ocelos, the Irish candy.
3: Have another chocolate-covered cherry, would you please?
4: (laughs) Coming up next, Reverend Bill Glaze from Bethany Baptist Church. Guess what he's talking about?
3: Chocolate-covered cherries?
4: Overcoming your excuses.
3: Oh, okay. Stick around for that. Much more. And former Mayor Tom Murphy gets a key to the city. That story as well.
6: He's Irish. (laughs) 101.5 WORD.
1: Jen
7: Weaver says a wife needs to focus less on God changing her husband and more on God changing her heart.
8: When we say, well, my marriage would be better if my husband would fix these things, I think we're missing a part of the picture where Jesus wants to do a work in us, and he's capable of doing a work in our marriages independent of what our husbands do. The
7: secret to finding joy
0: as a wife, next time on Family Life Today
10: to see if you qualify. That's 800-500-5588.
2: Jen had a very busy day today. Really busy. First, she dropped her kids off at daycare. Then she had a few minutes before yoga class for a coffee.
6: Small latte, please.
2: And then she saved a few lives. Nurse, two units go negative. One, an injured child. Another, a cardiac patient. And then a premature baby all because Jen logged on to bloodsciencefoundation.org and made a financial donation
10: there done
2: you see local blood donors provide only about half of what is needed to treat patients the other half has to be purchased and relies on financial donations from people like you and Jen
10: ooh cake pops
2: so what have you done today To make a financial donation that saves lives, visit BloodScienceFoundation.org. Blood Science Foundation, giving from the heart. 101.5
6: 101.5 WORD. With
9: more fun for your family. Always fun. It's Word FM Family Skate Night at Neville Roller Drone. It's really fun. We're taking over the roller rink and bringing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music along for you to skate to.
10: My whole family loves it. My kids love it. Isn't it great?
9: We'll have great prize giveaways, too. Bring your roller skates if you've got them or rent a pair there. It's fun for your church group, youth organization, or your whole family. The kids love it, and so do we. Word FM Skate Night at Neville Roller Drome Neville Island, this Monday from 630 to 9. Let's go have fun. Get details and directions at wordfm.com slash skate.
2: Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership. But not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as have. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping, and I'll see you at the club. Thank you.
3: From Bethany Baptist Church, our good friend Pastor William Glaze joins us. Pastor Glaze, my friend, Happy New Year to you.
11: Same to you. I uh, wish you guys all the best in 2019.
3: Yes, sir. We certainly need it, don't we?
4: And Bill, I'm happy to wish you a happy National Chocolate-Covered Cherries Day. Oh,
11: Yeah, you know, I was listening to you guys' conversation, you know, and and you know how when a person is an alcoholic and, you know, people get around and they, you know, have drinks and stuff like that, it can can kind of tip that person back into Mm -hmm, it, right? mm -hmm. Well, I'm sitting here, like, I'm I'm diabetic, right? So I'm sitting here listening. I'm sitting here listening to you guys, mm-hmm. and he said, "When I leave, I'm going to go get me some chocolate covered cherries." <laughs>
3: oh, Good. great! Good. So they find you in a coma somewhere. That's wonderful! It's our problem.
11: Yeah, <laughs> just put a
4: card in your front pocket that says John and Kathy. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: right.
12: Oh, great! Do,
3: uh, do they make Do they make sugar free chocolate covered cherries? Is that such a thing?
11: I don't know, <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm I, you know, I, I'm just going to get one. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to eat one. Oh, yeah, now. sure, yeah.
4: That's what John said, apparently, uh-huh. when, he, when he was 39. And then when he was 49, he weighed 25 extra pounds.
3: <laughs> Actually, that was 45
11: <laughs> extra pounds. Okay, just
3: saying.
4: All right, so speaking of things that are uh, hard to get over, you've been thinking about overcoming excuses.
11: Right. You know, when, when, when you think about uh, the New Year's, and a lot of people make uh, New Year's resolutions, and, you know, you, you look uh, some after the first week, first month, and, you know, sometimes into the year, you know, they're all gone. And and you know what and you know, there's those few people that make those resolutions and they, you know, keep them throughout the year and and I would have to say that they probably are better off, you know, for keeping those resolutions because it was something that was good. Now, you know, the the the, the problem is is that when you stop, you know, doing the things that you resolved that you were gonna do, you know, there's usually an excuse behind it. Hmm. And, you know, when we think about uh, excuses, you know, they, they are things that take us away from, you know, our God-given purpose. You know, there's you know there, there's a verse in Proverbs 26 and verse 13, and it says, the lazy person is full of excuses. He says, I can't go outside because there might be a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. And so, you know, this, this person, uh, no, they need to go out. They, they need to, you know, reach some goal or objective, but now there's a lion you know, in the streets, and so, and and I like what the Scripture says, it says there might be a lion out there, and so, you know, the person is using this lion as an excuse to not go and do what uh, he's supposed to do, and and I think that, you know, a lot of us, you know, that, that the lions are, are, are excuses, or excuses are the lions in our lives that, that keep us from doing the things that, that we need to do, you know, uh, there, there's the lion that keeps us from doing the will of God, you know, I, I would say that, God wants everybody to have a meaningful prayer life. He wants all of us to read the Word. He wants us to be in discipleship relationships. But, you know, we find excuses, you know, why we can't do that. So those excuses become lions, you know. Even if you think about personal goals, you know, we all say that, you know, beginning of New Year, I'm going to exercise, or I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to eat right. And somehow those kind of dissipate along the way. And so there's a lion that's out there. There's an excuse that's out there that keeps us from doing the things that that we need to do and you know even when you think about your life purposes i don't know you know how many people that i talk to that says you know i you know i wish i was in a better financial position i wish i had gone to college or you know i wish i had you know more fulfilling relationships and if you if you talk to them the reason that they don't have those things is because there's some excuse that mm-hmm. that keeps them from doing the things that that they want to do that's good
3: and i think the good news in the midst of that bill is that the older you get You've heard your own excuses so many times that you know that it's a lot of baloney. You're feeding yourself. So, right. you know, at some point you have to sort of come to peace with your excuses. Right. or You're do- either going to do, do it or you're not.
4: Right. And sometimes it helps right. to say them out loud to somebody else because when you hear them verbally, you think, wow, that really does sound lame.
3: Right. And so those right. excuses in some ways become, um, you, you can find that person to have that accountability and that's a way around the excuses or through the excuses.
11: Right, right. You know, and, 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 you know, just think about this, too. I, I wonder you know, what God thinks, you know, especially in the spiritual realm, when we offer excuses. You know, I was uh, reading somewhere where it says that Jesus Christ died for sin, and he didn't die for excuses. And so if you look at, you know, the, the things that God has provided for us, you know, He's he's provided grace, you know, to take care of our sin. He's provided the blood of Christ to take care of our sin. He's provided con, uh, confession to take care of our sin, but what, ha- what has he provided to take care of excuses? You know, there's no there's no covering, you know, for excuses. So you know when you you know and and now I know that there are reasons why people can't do some things. You know, sure. maybe you know somebody's sick or you know maybe somebody is dealing with uh, infirmity or something like that. And so there's reasons uh, that m- maybe people can't do things. But sometimes you know we just allow excuses to. Uh, override us, you know, doing what we're supposed to do. And I, and I, I like what, what Kathy, you know, said, that sometimes, you know, our, our excuses are lame. And, you know, when you think about maybe how God thinks about it, does does he think that we're offering uh, lame excuses? You know, they, uh, I think I was reading something where they were talking about children that didn't have their homework and that they began to offer excuses. And, and uh, one child said, I made a paper plane uh, out of my homework and it got hijacked you know uh somebody said you know I I loaned my homework to my friend and he suddenly moved away and uh you know another person said I was kidnapped by terrorists and they only let me go and I didn't have to, they just let me go and I didn't have time to do my homework so you know when, when when you think about i mean just think about as you said Kathy how absurd those excuses sound right and i wonder in the in the ears of god you know, when we make excuses for, you know, well, you know, Lord, you know, I'm too busy to to uh, read uh, uh, my Bible or pray, you know, and I wonder, you know, if God kind of laughs like we laugh at at, at those excuses yeah. that kids made for not having their homework. Yeah.
4: So, Bill, if we're in a situation where, you know, sometimes it's easier to see that in someone else than identify that in us. Um, so if we are looking at somebody who we think is stuck in a rut, you know, I was just talking to a a friend of mine last night and he's got a certain level of education and he's known for years, years that he wanted to go to the next level of education, but he just keeps putting it off. You know, he just keeps saying, No, I'm too tired. No, blah, 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 blah. And he said to me last night, Please, every time you see me, would you just. Pick, just get on me about that it's because I just need help. I need somebody to, to just. But
3: then you drag and all of a sudden you're part of the problem because he sees you and now he's going to try to avoid you. Well, I've never even, I haven't had a chance yet. Mm-hmm.
11: Yeah. Well, you know, it, it sounds like what he was looking for is accountability. And, you know, sometimes uh, that that's what's needed. You know, not saying that that's, you know, that's the be all cure all. But, uh, you know, if we have somebody that is in our ear, you know, or in our face, you know, challenging us on the things that you know we want to do and 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 taking those excuses away uh you know that 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 probably is the way to go but like john said then they they might start avoiding you so you guys be careful okay
4: well you. if i find that i've lost a friend i'll just come back and tell you guys about it for nice now john. i'm just going to try to be encouraging uh right. all right so if but if you see it in somebody else and it's easy to identify i mean talk about the importance of turning our attention to us and trying to maybe do some self assessment so we can see if maybe we're doing the same patterns
13: right well
11: i i think that's that's the key you know the self assessment Uh, Because even, you know, as you look at the Scripture, and and just take Adam and Eve, for instance, uh, you know, that they began to make excuses, you know, that Adam, you know, the the woman that you gave me, and the the woman, the serpent, you know, so they they made excuses. And and so, you know, it it was because of their disobedience. And and so I think what we have to do, uh, like you said, Kathy, is do that examination and ask ourselves the question, you know, what is at the root of uh, my excuse-making? You know, you, you think of Moses and 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 you know god called moses and moses said i can't speak you know that i stutter you know you know and so he began to make excuses and and i think you know at at the root of his excuse making was a lack of trust or even a lack of faith in god i mean if god you know showed himself as a burning bush you know at that point you know i would be saying like man you know whatever you want me to do mm-hmm. you know i know i can do it but, you know, he began to make excuses. So, you know, I think that, you know, as we do that examination, you know, we have to ask ourselves, you know, what is at the root of our excuse making? You know, you think of the guy that in the scripture that I read, he said, there's a lion in the street, so I'm not going to go out there. So, you know, slothfulness, you know, he was just lazy, and he found an excuse not to go out there. And, you know, I find, you know, a lot of times in my life, you know, I have to ask myself the question, you know, I'm making an excuse you know, but but what is the reason? What is what is at the root of uh, why I, why I'm making this excuse?
4: Right. So you're saying, is it a lack of confidence in me, or is it the fact that I really don't believe that God will come through for me?
11: Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Especially in the case of Moses, you know that you know he he just you know automatically went down the road of excuses instead of you know just trusting God and saying you know God, I believe that you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can work through me and, and help me. You know, oftentimes, you know, I'm I'm, I'm reminded, you know, if if I, and, and and this doesn't happen very often, but if I'm late for something, I mean, I just I just beat myself up, and then you know, you begin to look at excuses, you know, why you know why you're late, and but you know, there's even a deeper you know meaning or deeper level that you, that you need to examine, ask yourself, you know, did I not, you know, budget my time correctly, you know, and, and so instead of making an excuse. I think that we need to go to the root and say, well, you know, uh, I'm just lazy, you know, or I'm just being disobedient or, you know, I just don't trust God, you know, just and and, and that way, you know, you're able to deal with it. But when you make excuses, you know, how, how, how do you deal with an excuse?
3: How do you deal with it?
4: Yeah. I mean, I I guess that's what tells you something about who you are and who you believe, Mm -hmm. is is, is if you're going to accept that excuse, or you're going to say, you know what, that's not good enough. You know, when you were talking about Moses, I was thinking, the burning bush was a real, obviously, that was a shockingly miraculous thing. But something miraculous like that doesn't equal long days and years of following God and seeing him come through. I mean, so there's right. something about, you know, Moses grew in wisdom as all that was happening, right? And so Moses right. was a different person with a different type of faith because he knew God better at the end of his life than he knew him at that point.
11: That's true. Yeah. So, you know, you, you can see how he would uh, struggle with that, you know, a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you know, like I said, I, I think that, you know, for me, you know, just, just seeing that miracle, you know, before me. Yeah. You know, I, that that would have just kind of you know woke me up and, and said, okay, you know, there's there's something here beyond you know my capabilities and, and whatever I feel you know in my spirit that I can't do, you know that what I'm seeing here, you know, there, there's a, a power above and beyond me.
3: Yeah, and that's it. Uh, what you just said, Bill. Something woke me up, right? Everybody needs to be woke up at some point. And maybe that's right. why, you know, uh, the New Year's for a lot of people mm-hmm. is a time to reawaken to discipline or the idea of uh, doing the next right thing and following Jesus. Um, Bill, Pastor Bill Glaze is with us, Anchored in Jesus, every Monday through Friday here at 7 o'clock on Word FM. Hey, Pastor, uh, maybe your, your ears were burning over the past month. Uh, We've do, been talking about you. We have been talking about oh, you, Bill. Well, well yeah. praise the Lord. Uh, Specifically about uh, Bethany Baptist. You know, there's uh, two brand new books out that are written by local authors uh, that talk about the history of of the Christians in the city of Pittsburgh. And in both books, I believe, Bethany is featured prominently. Do you know that?
11: Yeah, I know the one that Bob Jamison, that he was kind of responsible for, that he came by. And, uh, you know, we've had a long relationship with uh, Bob Jamison here at Bethany. And this was way before I got here. You know, some of his first uh, people that he had... You know, working with uh, you know the, the the ministry that he was in, it was right here from Bethany, and so you know a lot of those individuals are still here. And when he came, you know, he he was able to dialogue with them, and then you know just see the, the things that we've done over the years. So yeah, what I,
4: a great I, legacy I, of faithfulness at your church.
11: Amen, amen. You know, and and I I, I would like to claim it and and, <laughs> and brag on it, but I know that it was it was here way before I got yeah. here. And I know that it's the Lord, and I just thank God that you know He's allowed me to you know keep it going. You know, I, I feel like I'm like the ant on the back of the elephant. You know, when they were walking mm-hmm. across the bridge, and uh, and the bridge shook. And, and the uh, ant said, man, we sure did make that bridge shake, didn't we? <laughs> you know, I, I, I know I'm just the ant on the back. You know, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't have anything to do with it. It's, it's all this, the power of God.
3: Well, praise God for all those men and women yeah. who have made Bethany uh, the place that it is today. And, of course, you're part of that as well, Pastor Glaze. So, so thank you so much.
11: Amen. So you know, it's always a joy. I look forward to the uh, first Thursdays of every month. Well, right? good. Yeah, thank
3: we you. try
4: to talk about something that is food related and fattening right before you come on right. each time. And the good
3: news yeah. is that you know, as you were talking, uh, new Mike was online, and apparently he's uncovered many examples of sugar-free chocolate-covered cherry. So you're good to go. Is that
11: right? Oh yeah. Okay, uh, I'm gonna have to dialogue with him offline.
3: Good. Very nice. Yeah. This segment brought to you by UPMC.
11: <laughs> Just kidding.
3: <laughs> Bill, always a pleasure. Likewise. Happy New Year to you. Pastor Pastor William Glaze, Bethany Baptist Church, again, Anchored in Jesus, heard Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock, right here on 101.5 Word FM.
14: Have you ever seen a pest controller spraying chemicals in your home? It makes you wonder, if their chemicals are safe, then why do they suit up and wear respirators only to leave you to walk back in unprotected? G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-in Pest Free, and I'm here to tell you there's a better way. In an age where we now have the choice to drive electric cars, you too can electronically read your home or business of unwanted rodents and pests. The answer is Plug-in Pest Free. 100% chemical-free, Plug-in Pest Free is your safest bet for your family and pets. Our bestseller, the Plug-in Pest Free Pro, will cover up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair dinkum. So order yours today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code RADIO20 for 20% off plus free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's gopestfree.com, promo code RADIO20. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget. Go, pishfree.com today.
15: Tired of working for everyone else? With Vanguard Cleaning Systems of Pittsburgh, you can be your own boss and own your own business. It's a common dream that too often goes unrealized. As owner of your own commercial cleaning franchise, you can finally take control of your future. Vanguard Cleaning Systems offers you a turnkey opportunity that takes you through everything step by step. From the initial setup, marketing, and even providing you with new customers. Even if you have no experience, Vanguard Will equip you to succeed at your own pace. Vanguard's expertise is why they're consistently ranked as a top franchise and entrepreneur magazine. Isn't it time you stopped working for everyone else? Discover the daily joy of being your own boss. All it takes is an initial upfront investment as low as $5,000 that will quickly pay for itself with Vanguard's proven model of success. To start your own janitorial business or expand your current one, call Vanguard Cleaning Systems of Western PA 724 870 Four one two zero. Sylvania is always looking to improve their headlights to help people
2: see farther and drive safer. So they developed their Silver Star Ultra headlights to have greater clarity and the brightest down road visibility. So now you can see what you've been missing. Sylvania, think farther down the road. Being a Word FM Fan Club member is the fast, free, easy way to access exclusive content only available to members. Easily enter contests. Give us your feedback. And let us know how we're doing. Score pre-sale tickets and get exclusive seating, plus members-only discounts and loads of free stuff. Like right now, members have a chance at two tickets to the Jesus Freak Cruise this June with DC Talk, including airfare. Visit wordfm.com and join for Freak, a uh, free, today.
3: For all the many years that we've been doing The Ride Home with John and Kathy, both Kathy and I really appreciate all the advertisers who've been with us. Grove City College is our newest advertiser, and we are so happy that Grove City is with us. Both of our children attend Grove City, so we, as proud parents of children who attend Grove City College. We say thank you to Grove City College.
12: Partly cloudy skies tonight with a low of 29 degrees. Tomorrow, some sunshine early and will be turning out rather cloudy. A milder day tomorrow, high 46. Occasional rain tomorrow night, low 34. Then for Saturday, we'll have a bit of rain early east of downtown Pittsburgh. Otherwise, clouds will be breaking for some sunshine and still mild, high 47 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM. <music>
3: remember the days of Pete Flaherty, the mayor of the city of Pittsburgh? Do you remember Pete Flaherty? You're a little too young for that.
4: I don't think I remember his name.
3: Pete Flaherty, well, Joseph Barr, I think, uh, was the first mayor that I remember. Then it was Pete Flaherty, who was a hugely popular mayor. I remember the uh, trash containers around the city of Pittsburgh were red, white, and blue, and they had a sign on them them that said, for Pete's sake, please pick up. Um, And then after uh, Pete Flaherty, Richard Caligiuri was the mayor of the city of Pittsburgh uh, until 1988. There's a a statue of Mayor Caligiuri outside the city county building downtown Pittsburgh. Then, of course, Sophie Masloff. She was the mayor from uh, 1988 to 1994. And then Tom Murphy became the mayor of the city of Pittsburgh. You remember Tom Murphy? I I would say, and and, and I have no political score, um, this is just my perspective, that Tom Murphy may have been the least popular mayor uh, in, in my memory of all the mayors that i've lived through well it's kind of funny how time heals Mm -hmm. old wounds because today tom murphy made an appearance at the uh, the city offices while city council was in session and received the key to the city 13 years after he had left the city of Pittsburgh as a two-time mayor. Mr. Murphy, 74 of Perry South, was the mayor of the city of Pittsburgh from 1994 through 2005. I I worked downtown uh, through a lot of that tenure. And, of course, that era in the city of Pittsburgh was a pretty rough patch for the city. However, um, the mayor, Tom Murphy, often described as having prickly optimism, Mm -hmm. and he was. Uh, he's credited with a lot of different things, that, uh, good and bad. But let me just run down a few things which I consider pretty good. Uh, he spearheaded the development of PNC Park, Heinz Field, and the David L. Lawrence Convention Center. Those were all under his watch. Uh, also, the mayor took the city into the distressed status of Act 47 and... And uh, in return for new revenue, accepted uh, the creation of an intergovernmental cooperation authority to approve city budgets. The, the city was basically broke when Tom Murphy was mayor. He laid off in 2003, Mayor Murphy did, 731 city employees, or one-sixth of the wow. city workforce. The city now has about 3,400 people on the payroll, slightly fewer than it did under Mayor Murphy. Uh, also, Mayor Murphy is, is the, um, the modern day uh, father of bike lanes. Mayor Peduto really? really sort of gets a lot of the flack for all the bike lanes in the city of Pittsburgh. Particularly
4: for me. Yeah, but Mayor because Murphy Because I can't stand Penn Avenue in the Strip anymore.
3: I think it's fine. The I don't bike like lanes it at all. good. Can't um, do
4: it. Going from Penn Avenue into downtown is untenable. Come on, who are we kidding?
3: But Mayor Murphy was an early environmentalist. He was interested in um, city parks and um, different sort of um, outdoor venues of which the bike lanes are one of his signature achievements. He also began the turnaround of East Liberty with the purchase of the Sears Building, the Long Gone Sears wow, building, okay. And the development of Home Depot, a primary concern for the neighborhood, uh, now gentrification and riles, rising housing costs that it has caused. So there's a lot of different things that happened under Mayor Mur- Murphy's watch. And remember, after Mayor Murphy, then um, it was Bob O'Connor. Oh, I was he was a say, hugely was right. popular mayor. Died in office, Bob O'Connor. And uh, then, of course, the boy mayor. Luke, Ma- Luke Ravenstall. Right. And, of course, our mayor Bill right Paduto. now is Bill Paduta. Okay. So you get the key to the city if you stick around long enough and you consider yourself a track record that is worthy of a callback. And that, people
4: can forget all the things that yeah. they didn't like about you. And upon reflection, they think, well, yeah. you were pretty good.
3: I wonder what the, the city key looks like.
4: Uh, well, it ought to be black and gold. Probably it is. It should be old.
3: The city crest on it. It should be
4: old. It should have a nice antique appearance to it. I
3: bet it's probably spanking new.
4: I think it's a bad idea. So because, a- because the charm of Pittsburgh is that it is an old northeastern city. Mm-hmm. Should it with be a rusty? Lot, it should be gritty. Mm-hmm. It should definitely be gritty. Certainly not clean. Yeah. You know, it should be a little smoky looking. Um, it should look victorious.
3: Victorious? Mm-hmm.
4: As we have been in so many sporting events yeah, yeah. over the years, a downturn perhaps standing, perhaps not the yeah. you know current NFL season, but you know we can you know skip over a few. So if there's a key to
3: Here the city, there. Mm-hmm. is there a door for the key? Where is the door? Hmm. I'm just curious. Anyway. There's no answer to that. If you know where the door is for the city of Pittsburgh, let us know. It's
4: probably somewhere close to the Wabash Tunnel entrance that isn't used anymore.
3: Oh, the Wabash Tunnel entrance is used. I've been through the Wabash Tunnel recently. Sometimes it's a shortcut home.
16: Proverbs 17.22
3: tells us that laughter
16: doeth like good medicine.
17: It's true. Scientists discovered that when a person laughs, their body actually releases endorphins into the bloodstream. These tiny hormones actually increase the body's ability to heal. So here's a question. When was the
16: last time you had a good laugh with your spouse? I mean a really good belly laugh.
17: Hi, we're Jay and Laura LaFoon, and we'd like to invite you to our ultimate date night where you'll spend 90 minutes with your spouse laughing like you haven't laughed in years.
16: Since 1996, we've been traveling the country using our unique style of marriage edutainment to seamlessly combine humor and biblical truth.
17: So join us and have a great laugh with your spouse.
2: Word FM presents The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon. Friday, February 1st at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets just $48 a pair. Special VIP package including dinner also available. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash date night. How do you celebrate faith, family, and fun? How about on eight wheels? Don't miss the first Word FM skate night of the new year at Neville Roller Monday, January 7th. Kenny Woods has the audience going in circles every first Monday of the month playing your favorite CCM hits with prizes and giveaways, 6.30 to 9 p.m. You could even win a free skate night for your family. Admission is $7. Skate rental, just three more. Details at SkateNRD.com. Word FM skate nights at Neville Roller at SkateNRD.com. At
17: the CMA Foundation, we believe every child should have the access and opportunity to participate in quality music programs. I'm Sarah Evans. Music has always been a huge part of my life. Music education isn't just important if you're going to make it your career. It also helps children develop the abilities that set them up for lifelong success. Music is transformative, and I want to ensure that it is never silenced. Learn more at itstartswithme.org.
8: Long before online retailers started stuffing beds into boxes, the original Mattress Factory was shaking up the mattress industry. We raised the bar on quality with our hand-built American-made mattresses and sold them factory direct for a fraction of the cost of the mainstream brands. In an industry full of gimmicks and sketchy sales tactics, the original Mattress Factory has stayed true to what we've always been great beds no bull stop by an original mattress factory store or visit originalmattress.com to see the omf difference for yourself oh
7: long time no see it's me the rock t-shirt in the back of your closet (laughs) dude remember you crowd surfed in me man but you haven't worn me in like forever i get it you're retired but i still got some rock left in me So take me to Goodwill, where I can really make a difference.
2: Your donations to Goodwill create jobs, training programs, and education assistance for people in your community. To find your nearest donation center, go to Goodwill.org. Donate stuff. Create jobs. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
3: About 15 years ago, I had a friend, and their house burnt down, tragically. Now, the good news is that no one was injured. Just the house was gone and, of course, all the contents of the house. So in a conversation with my buddy, uh, he was like, you know, this really gave us a good chance to sort of reset. And we've decided – this is the first time I've heard his phrase. He said, we've decided to become minimalists. And I I didn't know exactly what he was talking about. But then, of course, there has been this avalanche of minimalistic, what, new age awakening Across the country. Um, A a book called The Joy of Less, The More of Less. No, no.
4: The one that I loved. My dad got this book for me maybe, I want to say three years ago, four years ago. Um, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, The Japanese Art of Decluttering and Organizing. Oh. Oh, my god. I guarantee you, knowing you, John, you would love this really? book. You'd eat it up. Right. It would be so satisfying for you to read it because she talks about, at Marie Kondo's her name, she talks about all sorts of ways to do things neatly and nicely with less. And, and then sitting back, and because of the process you've gone through,
3: appreciating it oh i like that a lot the the new edition of comment magazine is out oddly enough the uh the thread throughout the entire magazine is minimalism here to talk to us about minimal minimal, minimal, minimalism (laughs) minimalism (laughs) easy for me to say (laughs) is brian dykema hey brian how you doing buddy
18: hey welcome
3: merry christmas to you both merry christmas to you hey listen brian uh right before we went to the air kath and i paused because we thought maybe you have a new title with uh comment
18: uh no, I'm still uh still an editor, I'm keep that one for now and we'll see, we'll see where it goes from there.
3: Very good.
4: Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Brian, uh you know we love Comment Magazine and we you and John and I all read an article by Heidi Dedens. Of course you'd read it before being the editor of the piece, but or the editor of the yeah. publication, but John and I hadn't read the piece. And when I saw the uh the book I was just talking about the Marie Kondo book, The Life-Changing Magic mm-hmm. of Tidying Up. I mean, yep. I I it
18: was so awesome. Did you read this book? Yeah, I've read. I haven't read that one entirely. Although, as a as a person's life is fairly cluttered, I've read bits and pieces of it, and people have recommended it to me. Oh, what does that mean yeah. when someone's yeah. recommending oh, it no. to you? untidiness. Right. I say an untidy desk is a sign of a well-ordered mind.
3: I think so too. Sure.
4: Well, the, you know the the. Um, the thing that Marie is going for in the book is that you will experience as a human a sense of peace and satisfaction if your environment is decluttered in a way that you can't understand if you don't declutter it.
18: Totally. I think I think it's actually, and you guys sort of alluded to it at the beginning, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a trend, and it's one that it's one that we wanted to, to touch on on comment because it seems to be so ubiquitous. And we sort of asked ourselves, where is this coming from? and I think it's partially because we've just got so much stuff, right? We live in an age where we can fill our houses with stuff, our closets with clothes, and we, we get almost overwhelmed by having so much. Um, you know, and, and right after the Christmas season, it's you know, a pretty great time to talk about it. I don't know about you, but I've eaten a lot and you know, we've yes. given gifts and shared gifts and it's sort of a time of plenty. Now there's there's good for that, but I think because it's so ubiquitous in our society, people are saying, look, this is just too much. I'm feeling overwhelmed and they're looking to simplify their lives and go down to those sort of bare But they're a minimum, which is, you know, the the sort of name for the trend.
0: Right. So
3: minimalism and monasticism, uh, compare and contrast those two things, Brian, because because they don't mean the other.
4: Well, one's just minimalism is just a practice of deciding that there's just too much in the world and you need less of it. But there's not necessarily a God component. I think there's a spiritual component, but it's not a God component. Now, monasticism is very different.
18: Right, I actually think that's sort of at the heart of it. There's there is sort of a. I think the the fact that people are feeling overwhelmed with their stuff is a recognition that um, you're not going to get satisfaction from your things, right? And there's many there's many places in the Bible where where your stuff or the good things are seen as a distraction from God. You can talk about it right when the Israelites are going to enter the promised land. They said, "Look, you're going to enter this uh, this land where you have orchards that you didn't plant, vineyards that you didn't plant." don't forget right so there's there's that sort of drive and, and there's something there is something spiritual about it and I would say both of them are one of the one of the quotes from Marie Kondo uh, she says look you need to organize your life to find the mission that speaks to your heart and and other quotes like life begins when you put your house in order these are these are sort of deep spiritual questions even though they may appear to be just getting rid of a few things and your life will be better but what they're appealing to, and I think this is the good thing that they're tapping into, is that they're saying to people, look, you need to find uh, the, something more than the stuff to, to give your life meaning, right? And so that's what they're sort of um, appealing to. That's the sort of overall drive. And on, on the one hand, that's great. It, it sort of says, look, we're not going to just um, just consume like, like we're, we're cows or animals. We're going to actually give some thought to that. And that, I think, is the sort of positive drive of minimalism, but I think there is a difference between it and some of the simplicity uh, that, you know, has marked the Christian tradition and the way we've thought about um, our relationship
19: to things. Mm-hmm.
4: Now, we know just because we've lived as humans that you can err on one side as well as you can err on the other. So, mm-hmm. you know, desert monastics, I'm sure, mm-hmm. were susceptible to, you know, they've already given up. So they, you know, mm-hmm. they recognize that minimalism is important and that they're going to live a monastic life. But at the same time, if you give up, give up, give up, and that becomes a source of pride in your life, um, then it, you're you're no closer to God than when you started
18: absolutely and i think that gets what you've just described is the heart of the difference and the, when you talk about christian monasticism or the practices of simplicity so not everybody's called to be a monk um, not everybody's called to um to live a life of poverty I, I don't think that everyone's called to that but i think as christians we are called to live a life of simplicity and the point of that though is spiritual union with god and what What many of the Desert Fathers and what many Christians, even those, um, you know, amongst the Amish and other Christian traditions, I come from a sort of a Dutch tradition, which is, uh, let's just say, very frugal. Um, (laughs) there's, there's, There's a sense in which you can take pride in how little you have, right? There's a sense of, look how good I am at giving things up. And what's happening then, of course, is that what's happening is you're not actually achieving spiritual union with God. You're taking the, you're taking pride, you're putting yourself and your simplicity above the very thing that you're seeking for, which is union with God. Mm. And I think that's sort of at the very heart. You know, there's there's many times when... Um, I don't know if you've ever seen a beautiful movie, um, and it's about these monks in, in Morocco just, uh, you know... Um, and to some of the challenges that they're facing with terrorism, wait, and wait, wait, to, we missed yes,
3: the, we missed yes. the title of the film. What was it? You sort of blipped out.
18: Uh, it's of gods and men. is what it's called. Mm. Um, okay. I think that's the title. I'll, I'll make sure to get to get you guys uh, the copy. But I'm pretty sure. Scene in it where they know that they're going to die, and they have this feast. They pull out some beautiful wine, and so you think, oh my goodness, that's not very minimalist. You would think that they would be drinking bread and water, mm. right? And of course. God himself is not minimalist. There's a sense in which creation teems with life, right? There's a sense, you know, I once wrote a piece, and I made fun of it a lot from my colleagues, about the sort of gratuitous sweetness and beauty of a peach. Um, mm-hmm. There's something about the way God works that's not minimalist. And mm-hmm. yet, yeah. um, you know, there's a sense of a way in which we can we can put those things in front of him. And that's, I think, the key difference between the sort of secular minimalists who say, the mission that speaks to your heart, you have to find it, whatever that is, Right. Um, and what often ends up happening, um, with minimalists, is you say, you pair down to the things that you value most, that you, that mean the most to you. And it's a sort of strange, almost a strange way of still identifying yourself as the, as the sort of your self-fulfillment and your self-satisfaction as, as the sort of goal. Mm-hmm. And you're still sort of defined by your stuff. There's just less of it and it may be better now.
4: Right. So um, you're defined by how little stuff you have.
18: Yeah. Exactly. But you're still defined by your stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, which is one of the—and I think that's the core difference between sort of the Christian tradition of simplicity, which is aimed at removing those things which get in the way of your relationship with God. And I think uh, we have a great um, piece in the in here, and I think we, uh, we were talking about it earlier today, John, about the, by Davy Hendrickson, but how that can even happen in the Church. Um, there are things— the practices that the Church can do, and, you know, this happened, this is one of the causes of the Reformation, for that purpose, that things were getting sort of crusted over, and that simple, clear relationship with a God who loves you gets encrusted by all kinds of other things, and you need to pare back to the live wood. I think that's That's at the heart of the Christian tradition of simplicity. Oh, that's really good.
3: I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? I I live in a neighborhood where I think the major business is storage uh, business, where everywhere Mm -hmm, you turn, and and so it's for, it's pat-rack heaven, right? That Mm -hmm, everyone is putting their stuff away. So, Mm -hmm. I guess, would you rather have three fine sweaters or um, a closet full of t-shirts? You know, mm-hmm. make you make your choice as to what you choose to possess and how you live that life around that.
18: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I mean that's absolutely true. And there's um, there's within the Christian tradition, I forget the the uh, name of the church father, but um, it, it strikes home hard these days, particularly when you look at your closet full of uh, full of nice things and sort of storage facilities. It says that look, if you've got three cloaks, you're actually the, the, the two that you don't need or the one that you don't need. You're actually robbing from the person who has none. Um, and so I do think, I do think, you know, again, I, as I said, I don't think everyone's called to poverty, but I do think there's, there's an opportunity for us to take this sort of drive to realize that um, the stuff we buy is not going to give meaning to our lives and not going to give satisfaction. If we've got a storage facility full, you might want to ask yourself, why do I have that? What, what, what is it doing for me? Um, and to ask, you know, is it getting in the way of my relationship with God? Mm. Very good. Which Brian. isn't to say I should I should note, and I forget to interrupt. It, which isn't to say you should you know uh, you shouldn't buy a nice pair of boots or so, <laughs> what have you, right? Like no, yeah, you need clothes, you need a house, and that type of stuff. But it is it is important to
8: reflect on that.
4: Yeah, and there's no if if ever we I shouldn't say if ever because it happens all the time. Whenever we bleed over into being defined by something that we've purchased or something yeah. that we've gotten we're just like yeah. you remember the passage from Isaiah where you know where it's your Using wood, and you're building a fire with it, and then you're going to cook your food over it, and then the next thing you know, you're going to build an idol out of it, and you're going to worship it. And how stupid is that? Yeah. Right. We read that, and we think, who would ever do that? But that's exactly what it is: living by the things that we buy.
3: Right. Exactly. And and I'm buying the wood now at Amazon Prime, and hoping it comes tomorrow.
4: Right. And I'm going to, and, and I show that I worship it because I'm sure it's going to make me happy. Yeah.
18: Absolutely, absolutely. What what's interesting is you know I think that's a that's a great point. You think who created the wood, right? This is one thing that keeps coming up when the Israelites talking or you know prophets are talking about the idols. You're like, you know, the Lord made that wood. And I, I think this is something that I, I have a little piece in in the uh, in the magazine uh, called um, uh, More with Less. There's this little cookbook. I, I kind of make a it, book. It's called the More with Less Cookbook, and it's a sort of brown, simple. It's it's a book that I, I say. It was printed by the Mennonites, and it looks like it. <laughs> it's so different than the sort of Jamie Oliver flashy, no, don't, don't get me wrong, I like Jamie, and I, I like his stuff, I really like his recipes, I used them already this this, uh, this Christmas, but there's a sense in which the whole point of more with less, of doing more with less, is so that we can have more life, right? And this points back again to this God who made the world and is so gratuitous in his his gifts to us, um, you know insofar as we try to to take them for ourselves and to grasp onto them and to not sort of help them bloom and help others have more um, it's it's the giving it's the sort of this taking up the wealth and in and, and giving it as a gift in which we we reflect God and we act like God and I think that's the the key so the whole point of this is not so that you can sort of, Feel good about yourself, but that there's more life overall to spread around with with our neighbors and okay. so on. Very
3: good, Brian Dykema from Comment Magazine, minimalism and monasticism. Hey, Brian, before you leave us, you know we've been talking about Comment, but you know we so appreciate your time here with us and the excellence that Comment has provided us with over the years. Let our audience know about Comment Magazine and how can they can acquire Comment for themselves,
18: uh, uh, listeners. It's the best magazine that you've never read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> comes out It comes out quarterly. We come for four beautiful, and I would say gratuitously beautiful, our designer Catherine's nice. excellent, four print issues per year. We tend to focus on a theme. Minimalism is one of them. We focus on equality is another one. Uh, all kinds of themes that are, are sort of... We're trying to help Christians um, live as Christians in all areas of life. Um, and so you can get it uh, online as well. We publish an issue or a, a magazine article every, every week. Cardus, C-A-R-D-U-S dot C-A slash comment. Uh, We'd love to have you one of our readers.
3: Very nice. Brian, well, Happy New Year to you. Thanks so much for being with us as always.
18: Likewise. It's such a pleasure. Our
3: pleasure. Brian Dykema, Program Director, Work and Economics at Cardus, Senior Editor, as we said, of Comment Magazine. Highly recommended.
10: That's 800-518-4020. The following
1: is a true story. My name is David Bryant. When I was 37, my wife and I decided to get term life insurance through SelectQuote. Just three years later, I was diagnosed with ALS, also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Because of life insurance, the people I love most in this world will be protected no matter what happens to me.
9: That's 800-671-7070. 800-671-7070. Or go to selectquote.com. This is a paid endorsement. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Not available in all states.
2: At Grace Wellness Center, our philosophy is that we are called to thrive. We're always called to something bigger, something more. God is calling us, Aki. God is calling us. And you know what? I'm so looking forward to how we'll be able to bless others. I'm going to say this. This show has been such a blessing to me. You know, my wife and kids will only listen to me if my voice is coming out of the radio. <laughs> is that right? That's right. That's awesome. <laughs> I can't Maybe wait. some other people will listen to us. Called to Thrive is right here on Word FM every Saturday at 930.
3: Check us out. Join us. So January 1 always brings a a deluge of riches, and this year, public domain has been overwhelmed by the newest riches. Now, here's the deal. Uh, As of January 1st, 2019, everybody in America is able to sing, Yes, We Have No Bananas, and own the copyright, because the copyright has expired. That along with thousands and thousands of other works. 1923 was the uh, demarcation uh, of uh, the new republic. Uh, yes, we have no bananas. Okay. But hundreds of thousands of books, musical compositions, paintings, poems, photographs, and films are now available to us, the general public, because after January 1st, any record label can issue a dubstep version of the 20, 1923 hit, Yes, We Have No Bananas.
4: Which I'm sure everyone's dying to do.
3: Any middle school can produce Theodore Pratt's stage adaption of The Picture of Dorian Gray. Which
4: I'm sure is going to be a big hit with 7th graders. Any
3: historian can publish Winston Churchill's The World Crisis with his or her own extensive, extensive annotations. Any artist can create and sell a feminist response to Marcel Duchamp's uh, Dadaist piece The Large Glass. This is just one of literally hundreds of thousands of pieces that have entered into the public domain.
4: Wow. So that's something to celebrate. Uh, In a way it is. But it's a little, it gives me a little bit of trepidation because I know how easily it is for people to corrupt stuff.
3: Well, that's the problem because now you know, like a famous piece, like um, the Great Gatsby, the great that has become public domain. Oh, really? So now you can take that and you know look at what what, what do they do with Jane Austen? Oh, uh, Pride, Pride and Prejud- Prejudice has the, been redone. Zombie thousand, vampire right. killers. Now,
4: you know, it just makes me mad. That
3: kind of stuff just
4: makes me mad.
3: Anybody can now tweak stuff if they right. so choose. But
4: the good news is, you can choose not to read it, or buy it, or look at it,
3: unless you go to the original source. But that's the problem. How do you go back to that? But Public Domain, good and free for everyone.
6: Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group.
9: With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Democrats take control of the House of Representatives and elect Nancy Pelosi as Speaker. Pelosi notes the challenges of facing an nearly divided Congress. We
6: have no illusions that our work will be easy and that all of us in this chamber will always agree. But let each of us pledge that when we disagree, we respect each other and we respect the truth. We-
9: At an impromptu press briefing at the White House in the last half hour, President Trump congratulated Speaker Pelosi.
14: Hopefully we're going to work together and we're going to get lots of things done, like infrastructure and so much more. I know they want to do that very badly, so do I. So hopefully we're going to have a lot of things that we can get done together.
9: Mr. Trump also reiterated his support for a southern border wall. Another bad day on Wall Street as the Dow plunged 660 points, the NASDAQ dropped 202. This is SRN News.
19: At Accurate Solutions Group, we do financial and retirement planning, and we think of ourselves as servant leaders. We've been at this for almost three decades now. We know how to identify issues and find solutions that work, but we believe we're also charged to be faithful stewards for our clients. Ethan and I hold to the fiduciary standard in our investment practice. That means every bit of advice, every recommendation must be in our client's best interest, period. End of story. So we put together retirement blueprint solutions that help people retire with confidence, clarity, and independence. We'd love to talk to you. It's never too late. It's never too early. Just call Accurate Solutions Group, 412-515-3555, 412-515-3555, or visit asgretire.com. I'm Kurt Kanenik. Investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC.
6: It's that time of the year at the Spring House in 84, it's Dairy Farm Tour time. That's right, we actually invite classes of school children to our real working dairy farm. The children love feeding the calf, milking the cow, and even seeing where the cows sleep and smelling what they eat. Many children today have never even touched a baby calf, nor have they associated the wonderful cow as the source of the milk that they get from the grocery store. At the Springhouse in 84, we are so committed to teaching children about farming and helping them understand how much the city mouse and the country mouse truly need each other. Call 228 3339. Or have your child's teacher set up a date for your child's classroom farm tour and let us share a little of our farm with you at the Spring House in 84. I'm
9: Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com.
16: Racial approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply.
0: Losing business to online companies? Call us at Salem Surround. Digital marketing that surrounds potential customers with your message wherever they engage, search, surf, socialize, or review. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and prescribe solutions to dramatically increase your bottom line. There are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. The Ride Home
15: with John and Kathy. Driven by Colusi Chevrolet. Serving the Pittsburgh area for 100 years.
12: Hardly cloudy skies tonight with a low of 29 degrees. Tomorrow, some sunshine early. And we'll be turning out rather cloudy, a milder day tomorrow, high 46. Occasional rain tomorrow night, low 34. Then for Saturday, we'll have a bit of rain early east of downtown Pittsburgh. Otherwise, clouds will be breaking for some sunshine and still mild, high 47 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Niddle on 101.5 Word FM.
15: Welcome to another edition of The Ride
2: Home
3: on 101.5 Word FM. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. This is day 13 of the government shutdown. However, that did not stop the 116th Congress to be sworn in today. And according to uh, Pew Research, when the Congress was adjourned today, It became one of the most religiously diverse delegations in American history, with more than a few lawmakers expected to take the oath of office while placing their hands on books other than the Christian Bible. Hmm, Interesting. Still, according to a new survey from Pew, the incoming class of legislators is predominantly Christian, even more so than the country itself. While the number of self-identified Christians in Congress has ticked down, Christians as a whole, and especially Protestants and Catholics, are still overrepresented in proportion to their share in the general public. I'm reading from um, the um, uh, religionnews.com website. So the breakdown is this. The number of Christians in Congress is dipping slightly compared with the 115th session, dropping from 90.7% to the 116th, 88.2%. Now, by contrast, 71% of U.S. adults identify as Christians. Most Christians in Congress are Protestant, including 72 Baptists, 42 Methodists, 26 members each for Presbyterian, Lutheran, Anglican, Episcopalian. Catholics make up 30.5% with 163 members, and Mormons claim Mm 1.9% with 10 members. Five members of Congress are Orthodox Christians. Uh,
4: Wait, Orthodox Christians, really? Interesting. Mm -hmm.
3: Yes. Uh, religion, researchers have also noted that the proportion of Catholic lawmakers in the U.S. House of Representatives has shifted towards a Democratic Party in recent years. Now, this is interesting. Uh, the new Congress has 31 more Catholic Democrats than Catholic Republicans in the House. Uh, meanwhile, um, the influx of non-Christian members in Congress is almost entirely among Democrats or independents who caucus with the Democrats. According to Pew, 61 of the 281 Democrats or independents are non-Christian, in addition to 32 Jewish members, Muslims, three, Hindus, three, Buddhists, two, and Unitarian Universalists, two, in Congress, caucus with the Democrats. Mm -hmm. One Democrat, Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona, identifies as religiously unaffiliated. Eighteen refuse to specify their religion. Among the general public, 23% identify as atheist or agnostic. By contrast, only two of the 253 Republican members in Congress, Representatives Lee Zeldin of New York and David Kustoff of Tennessee, identify as something other than Christian. Isn't that interesting.
4: Well, that is what I see as a tragedy for the Democratic Party. I'm not a Democrat, so I'm speaking from the outside looking in. But um, and by tragedy, I mean that it's probably been eight years since God was booed on the floor of the Democratic National I Convention. That. I remember that. Um, it's hard for me to believe that any Hindu, any Buddhist, any Christian, I. After that moment, I thought, really? We have a major political party in which God was booed on the day? I'm not saying you have to be a believer. I'm saying you can do whatever you want. But there's a level of respect that is just supposed to be what, you know, how we comport ourselves in public. And that was just horrible. So that that well, was an absolute low point. I, I, I feel like it's a tragedy for the Democrats, because from that point forward, it just seemed as if they had decided that their future was going to be people who believe less things or believe them less.
3: The good news is you don't vote for people because they are your faith hero. I hope not. Although some people do, right?
4: I'm sure that's the case. I'm sure there are a lot of people that if you are a Hindu, you would vote for a Hindu. Or if you are a Christian, you would only vote for a Christian. Right. Or if you're a Catholic, you would only vote for a Catholic. Or well, I'm sure there are people like that. See, the thing but is I, it- hope that I hope that – We would not be that way.
3: Well, media has made religion such a flashpoint in this country. I believe it has. I think it's a media obsession in many ways. And, of course, we're media, and here we are talking about it, although we are Christian media, which is different than mainstream media, of course. But media has made all religion such an intense thing that it is separated, and it's clearly here, along party lines in many ways. So I believe that we are the worst country because of that. Why, because of? Well, there was a time, I believe— now, I don't know what the demarcation in law in the line is timeline, but religion did not play such a overt part of public life as it does now. I think maybe no, I because don't think that's true. I, I do. I think it was presupposed, probably yeah. back in the older days, that you were a person of faith of some degree. But even if you weren't. I think it really didn't matter to a lot of people mm. that they were just going about their business. Now you sort of have to signal what your religious beliefs are as you run for office. You know, we have elected in many instances a pastor-in-chief as opposed to a president.
4: Mm. And Some I think, people have probably looked at it that I believe way. that's true. Okay, but here's something that it seems hasn't worked. So, you know, there's been a lot of conversation. I think probably Antonin Scalia is the f- – I don't know if he was the f- – Probably the not the first person who brought it up, but the first person who was publicly cited is saying, look, here we are. Look at us nine Supreme Court justices. Every single one of us is from an Ivy League school. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us is from either the Northeast or the Western Coast. There's nobody from – like basically what he was saying is we're all the same. Yeah. Because we've all come from the same place and now we've all ended up in the same place. Yes.
3: Right. We are the elite right. of the elite.
4: So it, it seems as if though – a lot of our elected representatives are from higher education, ha- have a history of higher education. So well. they have graduated from college or they've gotten doctorates or whatever it is. A lot of them have been in, you know, well known uh, public schools. And for the last 50 years, certainly the thrust at those public schools has been that everything's relative. That truth is relative, right. that things don't matter um, in an ultimate ethical sense, that you determine what you want on your own religion has absolutely plummeted as anything that's discussed on a public university campus, right? And yet, a lot of these people you're mentioning who have taken uh, their seat in Congress today are religious people. hmm So even if they're not Christians, they're still Hindus or Buddhists or – I mean a lot of – 88.2 percent of them are Christians. So obviously the vast majority of them are Christians. But even those who aren't Christians are identifying as something. So what does that mean? Does that mean that the the secular university ethos has failed?
3: No. I think maybe you're – I could be cynical and you think, well, you're identifying this, whether you are a believer or not, because you are playing to a base.
4: Mm. So you have to identify as something if you hope to get elected.
3: I would think to some degree, which I think is my point that we we've so made cynical. it something else. Look at how cynical you are. I don't think it's
4: no, cynical. I, I, I think just, it's probably a realistic perspective. I believe it is. But what does that tell us then about the American electorate? It means that even if... People who are graduating from 50 years of public secondary education that is profoundly secular, when they're interacting with the general U.S. populace, there has to be an element of religion there or people don't trust you enough to elect you.
3: You know, I just took this long road trip. Over Christmas, we drove from Pittsburgh to Aberdeen, South Dakota. I can't tell you how many billboards in how many small towns I saw that proclaimed Jesus Christ. I mean, it, it was a, and to me, a lot of it felt, dare I say, political. Hmm. But there was a proclamation of Christ along the roadway.
4: How did that seem, political? how did that convey to you as political?
3: Generally, kind of- what I saw were billboards that were put up by congregations that were also, you know, uh, the American flag along with a Bible verse.
4: Mm. So that's people saying, look, as much as you tell me that America's becoming secularized, not me.
3: I don't – I didn't see it. Now, of course, I drove from Pittsburgh to South Dakota. That's prime flyover territory. But I clearly saw that. And I was in Aberdeen, South Dakota. There certainly are a lot of believers in that little town. So I don't think it really – Does it matter to me what what religious faith my congressman is? I mean, if if, it doesn't
4: I mean, I wouldn't I don't think I've ever voted for someone in particular because they were a Christian. That would not be the thing that I would that I would use as a litmus test. But if someone says they believe, then if the gospel means anything and they actually believe it will show you something about their character. Now, sadly, it doesn't always prove true. It doesn't always pan out.
3: So, are you saying that you would have a problem? No, I can't imagine you wouldn't have a problem voting for someone who identifies as a Buddhist. No, of course not.
4: No, what I'm sa- when I said it was a tragedy for the Democratic Party eight years ago, I just said their their out and out uh, refusal to attract anyone of any belief system at that Democratic National Convention. I've never forgotten it. Right. So now you're looking at the only people who are what who are either not not believing in anything or a minority believers are only Democrats. I can't believe even them. I can't believe that didn't even bother them when the Democratic Party made that choice. It bothered me. I
3: bet it did bother because it was a shocking moment. And I remember it very well. And it was around abortion. You know that always. That's what it was. Anyway, we're going to take a break. The sacred right. We're going to talk with Elisa Wilkinson next about uh, Christian films from 2018. Stick around for that. Uh, Christians and the silver screen. Straight ahead.
6: 101.5 WORD.
3: Everywhere you go,
9: anywhere you go, Word FM goes with you. That's because we're no longer trapped inside a radio. We're now everywhere you are. And you carry us around in your pocket. We're
0: ubiquitous.
6: There's an app for that, right?
9: On TuneIn, on iHeart, on our own app, on WordFM.com, on ChristianRadio.com, on the next Radio FM chip. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone. The iPhone on your iPad, iPhone, and Android. We're always with you because we're inside your pocket. Whatever you do, don't lose us. 101. O R
7: D. If you're serious about wanting to be your own boss and if you're serious about wanting to succeed, your very first phone call should be to Vanguard. Rob Thomas is living proof of how
2: quickly you can grow with Vanguard Cleaning System's proven model of success.
7: That's a shocking, ain't it? shock shocked me. <laughs> when I started, it was me and my brother in a truck. Now I got two company trucks, eight people that work for me, and I got an office on Braddock Avenue. And that's in a year and a half. They give me my first contract, a company down on the North Shore. The next thing you know One turn to two Two turn to three Three turn to ten guess they got good reviews About my work Makes me feel like I'm making a difference The training was good You get a lot of One on one time Face time And it's not like You go through training And that's it they're always a phone call away. You want to go to Vanguard because they're going to put you in the best position to succeed. With Vanguard backing you, sky's the limit. To start your own janitorial business in the Pittsburgh area, call Vanguard
2: Cleaning Systems of Western PA, 724-870-4120. I've been married so long, I don't even look when I cross the street anymore.
17: No, oh, police. Hi,
16: we're Jay and Laura LaFoon, and we're bringing our ultimate date night to your community.
17: What is an ultimate date night? It's 90 minutes of non- 90- Nonstop stop laughter, music, and fun. It's a great night for you to reconnect with your spouse. It's a night for all couples to connect through entertainment, all the while learning some biblical truth about marriage.
16: We've been helping couples celebrate the gift of marriage for over 20 years, and we can't wait to bring our comedic look at marriage to your community.
17: So get out of that date night rut. You know, that dinner and a movie over and over again. Or maybe you haven't even been on a date in a long time. Join us at the ultimate date night and get ready to laugh
2: and get ready to connect.
17: Grab your spouse by the hand and join us at the Ultimate Date Night.
2: Word FM presents The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon Friday, February 1st at Christchurch Church at Grove Farm. Tickets just $48 a
7: pair. Reserve now at wordfm.com slash date night. Hundreds of ministries have discovered the success of a partnership with oneplace.com, the largest online Christian broadcast platform on the web. Here's Greg Laurie. By partnering with One Place, we've been able to expand our online ministry in a way that complements our current web strategy for maximize outreach and impact. And John MacArthur. Many of the new listeners we reach here each day through One Place are now faithful ministry supporters. Introduce your ministry to our audience. Visit us at OnePlaceRadio.com.
2: How do you celebrate faith, family, and fun? How about on eight wheels? Don't miss the first Word FM skate night of the new year at Neville Roller Dome, Monday, January 7th, Kenny Woods has the audience going in circles every first Monday of the month playing your favorite CCM hits With prizes and giveaways, 6.30 to 9 p.m. You could even win a free skate night for your family. Admission is $7. Skate rental, just three more. Details at SkateNRD.com. Word FM Skate Nights at Neville Roller Drone at SkateNRD.com.
3: I like this time of year because, you know, whether it's like best books of the year best movies of the year, best fashion of the year. There's always like a lot of lists, mm-hmm. people sort of looking back. But when you look at at um the depiction of people of faith or religion uh, on the silver screen, whether it's um you know at the theater itself or at home on your Netflix or Prime subscription, uh, it's always interesting to see how filmmakers choose to show uh, the faith Uh, Alyssa Wilkinson is with us. Alyssa is the film critic at Vox.com. Highly recommended. Alyssa's been writing about film and culture since 2006. Her work has appeared uh, at the Washington Post, Rolling Stone, Vulture, RogerEbert.com. She's also uh, an associate professor at the King's College in New York City and the uh, co-author of How to Survive the Apocalypse, Zombies, Cylons, Faith, and Politics at the End of the World. Alyssa, welcome back to the show. Happy New Year to you.
8: Happy New Year to you, too.
4: Alyssa, when you look at film, I know that as a film critic, you look at it a certain way. And John, who spent his, you know, several decades of his life in acting, he looks at films in a certain way where I'm just the ultimate like dude who shows up <laughs> at a movie theater and Cause like because like I just because I, I just like it. Right. Um, so how do we uh, this is the first question, bridge the gap between how you see film and how I see film?
8: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's important to remember that, honestly, critics and um, audiences don't really look at film in in very different ways. Critics are really just super fans, right? We all Mm. really love movies enough that we're willing to spend our time watching them and talking about them and thinking about them and writing about them for very little money. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's not a lucrative occupation. So I think the difference between a critic and an audience member is usually just that the critics watched a lot more films and thus has more things to compare it to. And, you know, you might maybe compare it and think of the difference between a gourmet chef and someone who just likes to cook at home, right? A home chef is, is good at what they're doing, but a gourmet chef has spent years thinking about all the nuances and the flavors and the textures. And so what film critics are trying to do is just to kind of help the reader be able to pick up on some of those things that they might not have otherwise just like a chef who comes out to your table can show you something you might not have picked out on your own at a restaurant well, that's
3: really good I think that's why in some ways Lisa, I like uh, Rotten Tomatoes because Rotten mm-hmm. Tomatoes will show you the critics score and then the regular Joe's score Oftentimes, you know there, there's a, a, a big disconnect but you know you read the critics responses or their, their reviews and then you read everybody else's and you, you do see that to those two different flavors working across each other
8: Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes, you have to remember that anybody, whether or not they've even seen the movie, can upload their audience opinion. So, sometimes (laughs) that number might not be very exact, you know. Um, And sometimes it's been weaponized, actually, against movies that maybe certain communities have gotten angry about because, um, you know, they didn't want a person of color cast in that role or whatever. This happens quite a bit. But, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a difference, but there's really not as big a difference, I think, as most... People even think I was just looking back over the top 20 films from last year. And with the exception of, I think, two of the films, almost all of them had uh, overwhelmingly positive, critical opinion. Mm. So audiences and critics often do agree, I think, more than Maybe some people would like you to think, or sometimes the marketing people would like you to think.
19: I see.
4: Okay, so how does faith enter in then? Um, Faith in film. I mean,
3: when you say when you say Christians in film, of course everybody's thinking Left Behind, but you know (laughs) uh, we don't want to talk about that, and I don't want to diss Left Behind. But there's a whole other, more serious, more you know deeper genre film that you would call in some ways Christian at its. I don't know.
4: What do you call it? Yeah, and well. Do we need to define it, I guess, is the question.
8: Yeah, I think we do. I mean, the way I often think about this is that um, faith-based film is a marketing category Mm -hmm. and it's a category that's used for films, some of which are very explicitly Christian, some of which are kind of wishy-washily spiritual and they mention God sometimes. And what they're trying to do is is target a particular demographic the, the same way that other marketing categories are used, whether it's horror or romantic comedy or whatever. So that's a marketing category. I like to talk about religious films instead because I think that they appeal to a much broader variety of people. They appeal to some Christians. They appeal to people who aren't sure if they Mm -hmm. believe in God. They appeal to people of other faith or no faith at all who are nonetheless engaged with spiritual questions and questions of ultimate meaning. So that's what I usually like to think about. And I think if you're um, attuned to these and generous in the way that you think about what the struggles that other people are going through, then um, Christians have all kinds of space to be thinking about religious films in this way. So for me, a religious film is a film that tries to grapple with or um, find common ground or answers or even just ask questions that have ultimate meaning that religion seeks to answer like what do we need saving from? How do we live in the world with each other? Um, you know, where are we? Where do we go after we die? All of these kinds of questions.
3: I see. So you're the film critic for, at Vox.com, and I love Vox. Uh, it, it's not a Christian site by any stretch of the imagination, but because you're a believer, you know, you're t- talking about a lot of films, mainstream films uh, especially, but you always sort of bring your Christian worldview into the perspective of what you're watching. So... Can you talk to us for a second, uh, maybe longer, uh, just for a little bit, Alyssa, about what you saw this year as far as, you know, quote-unquote religious films that you thought were worthy?
8: Yeah, I mean, it it was interesting because there were fewer of those films maybe this year than I had seen in recent years, and you know that's just kind of how the movie business goes. You get different things that are happening. Um, But I I can think about two films in particular that um, really struck me this year. One um, was First Reformed, which is a highly lauded film in which Ethan Hawke plays a minister who's really having a crisis of faith. Um, and it's a, you know, it's not a film about a man we're supposed to emulate. It's a film, I think, about what happens when, uh, I've talked to the director, Paul Schrader, quite a bit, and he went to Calvin College, and he would call himself a Christian, too. Um, and, you know, we talked about how the film is really about ha- what happens when a Christian person becomes um, two turns in on themselves to the point where they see themselves and their desires as equal to God's desires. And so um, the character is really contemplating a very tragic action by the end of the film, and it's, it's disturbing in some ways, but I think it's really a portrait of a particular kind of narcissism that um, presents itself particularly to people in ministry. And then on the flip side, one of my favorite documentaries of the year um, was titled "Amazing Grace." It was about well, it, it was filmed when Aretha Franklin, who oh, passed yeah. away last year, was making her famous gospel album, um, and it was shot over two days by Sydney Pollack in the church in Los Angeles where um, she filmed, where she recorded that album live, um, and it was filmed over two nights. And you can kind of There's a lot of audience participation, um, because she's in a church where people clearly know that they're part of the worship experience. Um, And I saw it at its New York premiere in a uh, theater full of New Yorkers who were just as much participating in it as the audience in the film. But this film was made in the 70s, and then it was held up with legal and technical issues for several decades. Um, and so it's a big deal that it's finally just come out, and it should premiere um, I believe it's slated to premiere in March of this year in regular film no
3: kidding and so in first run, so it's it's playing of course new york l a uh, the coast. so go back and then and describe the premiere with a New York audience. Of course, you would not think you know a, a New York audience would be particularly open to you know hearing the gospel, but I guess with music it's a little bit different, but a New York film audience has got to be a little jaded.
8: Yeah, well, we, you've got to remember that, you know, New York is full of all kinds of different people, and um, certainly there are churches here that have been, you know, people have been faithfully worshiping in them for hundreds of years, um, and, you know, a lot of them are not um, the kind of churches that maybe white evangelicals tend to flock to, but there have been lots of, you know, African-American churches sure. and Latino churches and Chinese churches who um, have been here for a long time. So there's a, you know, always been a strong Christian presence in New York, which I think is something that people forget. But, um, it was great. It was at the documentary film festival that happens every fall here that has about a hundred documentaries. Um, the premiere was a very exciting event. This has been a very highly anticipated film by people in the film world and in the music world for a really long time. Um, and I showed up and it was packed out. Um, I was seated somewhere near the back. There were people near me who um, had clearly memorized the entire album and were singing along with it. Wow. There were several ministers um, present, one of whom um, prayed before the screening began, um, and then one who got up and basically preached after the screening ended, um, and then offered a prayer, and then there was a short Q&A about the film as well. But it was a very religious experience, um, and it was very much like being in church, uh, which is not always what you expect at a film festival, wow. even though there's a lot of similarities between being in a movie and being in church. Yeah,
4: that's cool. Wow. Alyssa Wilkinson's with us, film critic at Vox.com. Also, the author, co author of with of the book called Am I going to be able to get it out? It's a lot of words, <laughs> Alyssa. How to Survive it the is. Apocalypse Zombies, Cylons, Faith and Politics at the End of the World, she wrote with Robert Joustra. Okay, so um, let's go to a local Pittsburgh product. Our this, saint. Mr. Rogers.
8: Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, so one of the most um, important documentaries of the year was uh, uh, "Will You Be My Neighbor," which is, um, you know, about Fred Rogers and about his life. Uh, it's a really lovely film. I think a lot of people saw it. It certainly made a lot of money, uh, which is surprising for a documentary in theaters. That's not common, um, and it's you know probably on its way to an Oscar nomination. But I think one of the most Interesting things about that film is that it really, uh, very purposefully draws in his background. I mean, he was a—he went to seminary. He was a Presbyterian minister, and he decided not to minister in a church because he says in the documentary that he wanted his show to be his his church and the children to be his congregation. Um, and so he really devoted his life to making sure that children knew that their emotions are valid, that they are special and precious. Um, and he brought that into his relationships with adults as well. And really, that's what the film is about. Um, I spoke with the director, Morgan Neville, um, for a while after the film came out and then again recently at an event. And, you know, that really was his goal was to show that this is a guy who approached the world in a particular way because of his beliefs and who, um, you know, really made a difference in the lives of, of many, many people. Excellent. And
4: so did you like it personally?
8: I did, yeah. I thought it was great. You know, I, it was funny. I've told people, I I, went, I go to Sundance every year and I, I uh, share a condo with several other critics and I walked in and talked to the first critic I saw the day I arrived and said, what's the best movie you've seen so far? And he said, oh, it's this Mr. Rogers documentary. And I said, really? I didn't expect that to be, <laughs> you know, maybe the, one of the better films coming out of Sundance. And he said, oh yeah, you have to see it. And, um, you know, he was right. And it's really been doing wonderfully, which is, which is lovely. I mean, Fred Rogers passed away, but um, I sat with his uh, widow, Joanne, at an event a couple months back, and she was just so pleased to know that other people were, were still being touched by his life.
3: Very nice. Alyssa, thanks enough a lot. We always appreciate your insight. You do excellent work.
8: Thanks for
3: having me. Yeah, the pleasure is ours. Alyssa Wilkinson, Vox.com. We've been talking about First Reformed, Won't You Be My Neighbor, and Amazing Grace, Alyssa Wilkinson. Take a quick break. Come back. We've got lots more ahead. We're going to talk to a man who has uh, spent many years in Syria.
4: As a Christian, living, and wants us to know what it is that we're missing.
16: Proverbs 17.22 tells us that laughter doeth like good
4: medicine.
17: It's true. Scientists discovered that when a person laughs, their body actually releases endorphins into the bloodstream. These tiny hormones actually increase the body's ability to heal.
16: So here's a question. When was the last time you had a good laugh with your spouse? I mean a really good belly
17: laugh. Hi, we're Jay and Laura LaFoon, and we'd like to invite you to our ultimate date night where you'll spend 90 minutes with your spouse laughing like you haven't laughed in years.
16: Since 1996, we've been traveling the country using our unique style of marriage edutainment to seamlessly combine humor and biblical
2: truth.
17: So join us and have a great laugh with your spouse.
2: Word FM presents The Ultimate Date Night with Jay and Laura LaFoon, Friday, February 1st at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Tickets just $48 a pair. Special VIP package including dinner also available.
14: Reserve now at wordfm.com slash date night. G'day, I'm Scott from Plugin Pest Free. I want to personally thank all my Plugin Pest Free customers who have taken the time out to call, write and who have left messages to thank me for ridding their homes and businesses of unwanted rodent and pest problems. So from me to you, I thank you. Plugin Pest Free is the only scientifically tested and more importantly, consumer-proven electromagnetic pest management system since 1995. Why put up with those annoying rodents and pests any longer? Plug-in Pest Free is 100% chemical-free, making it your safest bet to manage your rodent and pest problems around your family and pets. With a 60-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So order yours today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code RADIO20 for 20% off and free shipping. That's gopestfree.com, promo code RADIO20. Don't spray and regret, plug-in and forget. Go pestfree dot com today. Have you racked up more than ten thousand
7: dollars in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by? Making minimum payments? You should know the credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National debt relief has helped tens of of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-942-4730. 942 4730 That's 800 Nine four two forty seven thirty.
12: Partly cloudy skies tonight with a low of twenty nine degrees. Tomorrow, some sunshine early, and we'll be turning out rather cloudy. A milder day tomorrow, high forty six. Occasional rain tomorrow night, low thirty four. Then for Saturday, we'll have a bit of rain early east of downtown Pittsburgh. Otherwise, clouds will be breaking for some sunshine and still mild, high 47 degrees. I'm AccuWeather meteorologist Danielle Nittle on 101.5 Word FM.
4: I don't know. It's been maybe seven to ten days since President Trump announced that his goal would be to withdraw troops from Syria. Now, boy, I mean, there were people who were thrilled at that. There were people who were enraged. Um, it said the, you know... Washington Beltway on fire, people coming out and saying this is the cre even mostly, in fact, people from his own party saying this is the craziest decision you could possibly make. This is the thing that we picked on Barack Obama about for all this time. And now look at, you're going to do the same thing and go down the same path. Um, It's hard though, in the midst of all that, uh, to remember that they are actual people on the ground. Um, And these people, this is their land and this is their country and they are surrounded by their community and they have loved ones and family and friend and neighbor. Um, And so in talking about Syria, we wanted to make this more personal. And so we were able to find a Christian, um, a man who is the head of the Syriac National Council. Um, He's a man who has been interviewed in a couple different places. He was willing to come on the show today. We're so happy to welcome him. Uh, Bassam Ishak is the head of the Syriac National Council of Syria.
3: So Bassam, to be honest, I would imagine that most Americans have absolutely no idea what's happening in Syria right now, let alone the plight of Syrian Christians. It's just something that is on not most people's radars. So can you talk to us about the plight of Syrian Christians and what may happen as the United States coalition is willing and ready to pull out?
20: Well, uh, you have in northeast Syria about 100,000, Christians, mostly Syrian Christians, still residing there. Before the revolution, the number was even double that. But this is what's left now in northeast Syria. And these populations are, like, in cities very close, some of them right adjacent to the border with Turkey. And uh, the Christians who live in northeast Syria right at the border with Turkey are actually the... Children and grandchildren of the Syriac Christians who were ethnically cleansed by Turkey in 1950. So, uh, today, uh, as a result of the uh, last seven, eight years of uh, uh, civil war in Syria, many Christians uh, from that region Have have left, but uh, still, as I said, their money remains uh, about 100,000. And uh, as they hear threats from Turkey to come in and establish a safe zone in northeast Syria, they are seeing this as a deja vu of what happened to their parents, grandparents 100 years ago under the Turks when about Uh, 2 million Christians uh, were massacred uh, uh, in in Turkey in 1950.
4: Basam, tell us what Christians who live in America could do for you and your people.
20: Well, uh, they have actually Christians who live in America a lot of power to help our people Uh, because uh, American politicians will listen uh, to their, uh, uh, you know, uh, to the voters in America, and uh, if the voters uh, in America want to support religious freedom for uh, people in Northern Syria to be able to sustain this religious freedom political model, uh, then I think uh, uh, they can have big influence uh, on keeping. Uh, uh, either keeping the um, military forces in the North East, which are keeping Turkey from invading and keeping the extremist uh, jihadists from invading,
18: or
12: pressuring
20: for a political solution that will guarantee sustainability of these religious freedoms. If we are able to sustain this model, This would be the the antidote to the ISIS uh, ideology and to the extremist religious ideology of ISIS and Qaeda. And it will help us create, finally, in the Middle East, a region uh, that could be model for the rest of the uh, the area and that could be uh, a a real uh, ally to the United States in the Middle East.
4: Tell us how we can pray for you. Oh,
20: <laughs> Thank you for the question. I uh, just uh, pray for our uh, work, uh, myself and my colleagues who work to sustain this religious freedom model uh, in the Middle East. It's a dream uh, of our ancestors, and, uh, and it's a, a long game. Actually, that God put in every human heart uh, to be free. And, and uh, so pray for us to succeed in, in this calling that we see God has given us uh, to, to push and, uh, for religious freedom in the Middle East and in Syria.
3: Bassam, thank you so much. We uh, appreciate your time here with us to get the word out about what's happening in Syria right now. You have our pledge that we will make political action and, of course, our prayers for you, your family, and for all Christians in Syria right now. Thank you so much.
13: Thank
20: you for having me. God
13: bless you. God bless you. Gold is a better way. Gold is a better way. Gold is a better way. Imagine doing business with a company that seeks to add massive value before asking for your business. Hi, my name is Adam Barada. I'm the co-owner of Advantage Gold and the author of the now national best selling book, Gold is a Better Way. This book may not be for you, but if you're like most people, you'll be blown away when you learn why gold is set to sort over $10,000. And as a bonus for hitting the bestsellers list, I've been gifted 250 copies from my publisher. If you have an IRA or 401k with over $100,000, I want to send you a copy of the national best-selling book. You can buy it on Amazon or go to Barnes & Noble or be among the first 250 people to reply. Just text the word bestseller to 49776. That's bestseller to 49776 to claim your free national best-selling book now. That's the word bestseller to 49776. We promise to add massive value before ever asking for your business. Just text the word bestseller to 49776. 101.5 W O R D.
9: With more fun for your family. Always fun. It's Word FM Family Skate Night at Neville Roller Drone. It's really fun. We're taking over the roller rink and bringing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music along for you to skate to.
10: My whole family loves it. My kids love it. But isn't it
12: great?
9: We'll have great prize giveaways too. Bring your roller skates if you've got them or rent a pair there. It's fun for your church group, youth organization, or your whole family. The kids love it, and so do we. Word FM Skate Night at Neville Rollerdrome, Neville Island, this Monday from 6.30 to 9.
8: Let's go have fun. Get
9: details and directions at wordfm.com
8: skate.
2: How do you celebrate faith, family and fun? How about on eight wheels? Don't miss the first Word FM Skate Night of the New Year at Neville Rollerdrome, Monday, January 7th. Kenny Woods has the audience going in circles every first Monday of the month, playing your favorite CCM hits with prizes and giveaways, 6.30 to 9pm. You could even win a free skate night for your family. Admission is $7. Skate rental, just three more. Details at SkateNRD.com. We're at FM Skate Nights at Nimble Roller Drone at SkateNRD.com.
1: Most couples begin the retirement journey with some common questions. Have we saved enough for our retirement dreams? When does it make sense for us to take Social Security? How do we know if we have too much in the market? How does the new tax law impact our financial plan? Do you have similar questions? Join Kurt Kenotic of Accurate Solutions Group for a conversation about retirement's most common concerns. You'll learn a lot, and all you have to do is register. But seating is limited, so don't delay. Go to asgseminar.com, pick the date and location that works for you, and reserve your spot today. That's asgseminar.com. Start your retirement planning process with Kurt Kenotic and the team at Accurate Solutions Group. Register now at asgseminar.com. That's asgseminar.com. And for more information on your retirement questions, don't miss Your Retirement Blueprint with Kurt Kenotic and Ethan Lane, Saturday mornings at 10 investment advisory services offered through ASG Investment Management, LLC.
2: Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership. But not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. All from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com shopping, and
3: I'll see See you at the club. Thank you. Hey, uh, about a month or so ago, things looked pretty bad for the Pens. I mean, they were really on a good It was a rough turn. November. It surely was. However.
4: December was awesome. Man, is it And a seven January game? so far, looking fine.
3: Seven-game win streak, right? Uh, Sidney Crosby named it once again, no surprise, to the All-Star team. Mm-hmm. How about last night? uh Sydney Crosby had a pretty good night at Madison Square Garden, Square garden which
4: is so satisfying
3: it's surely to is. have a good game at Madison The final Square score garden. 7 to 3
4: Yeah it wasn't very close 7 to uh-huh. 2
3: 7 to 2 even okay.
4: better I didn't okay. see last night's game at all I did not, not even was great. one little bit of it
3: Okay so there's an article in today's trib it's making its way around because it's such a fantastic uh, thing that happened So there was a guy who showed up and uh through the entirety of last night's game at the garden All he did was ride Sidney Crosby on the bench. Who
4: does that?
3: Can you imagine just you're going to the game and you're thinking, I know I'm sitting next to the bench, and so I'm just going to be a a total obnoxious bore and just rip on uh, the greatest player in the league right now. I mean, people do that, right? So Sid's got to have pretty darn thick skin to have to endure that night after night, one coconut after another. Mm -hmm. So... Last night after the game, after this guy rode Sid, Sid handed the ref a stick, and on the stick in silver ink, like a Sharpie, there's a beautiful hockey stick, Sid wrote, good chirps, take it easy on me next time, and then he signed his autograph with his jersey number.
4: And he told the official to give it to that guy. Yep. the loudmouth guy. Yep, the ranger fan.
3: Yep, uh, who'd so been defeated. It made across its way across Twitter, uh, and somebody, a guy named Rick Sarpinello, said, "Funny story from last night's game. Guy sitting next to the penalty box was lighting up Sid all game with some fantastic chirps. I guess a chirp is a what? What would you call it?
4: I guess just getting on somebody yeah. heckling."
3: A trainer, I'm sorry, not a, a trainer delivered this to him after the final buzzer. And there's the beautiful black hockey stick. On the blade was a message, good chirps. One of the chirps likened Crosby to Justin Bieber in a way. Uh, in what way? Let's see, uh, was sitting right near him. One of my favorites, Sid, when Gatorade was looking for a spokesman, they just wanted someone tough and they considered you, but signed Justin Bieber instead. <laughs> That's rough. That is really rough. Perhaps part of uh, Sidney Crosby's understanding stems from the fact that the Rangers are Crosby's third most abused teams. His 83 points against the Rangers is his, in his career in the regular season are only uh, behind his 113 against the Islanders and 94 points against the Flyers. And uh, Crosby's gesture was making it hard on lifelong haters. Another guy on Twitter said, was sitting right near the chirper, one of my favorites. And then they repeated the Justin Bieber line. Uh, Another guy says, grown to like Crosby a lot over the years. Hated him. Now respect this game and his attitude in a big way. Mm. So cool for Sid!
4: What's the article you're reading from?
3: It's from uh, today's Tribune Review. Mm. Uh, headline is: Sidney Crosby had a surprise for the guy who chirped him during Penguin Rangers game. That is game. the
4: best way to handle that. That is. I mean, that is just absolutely great. <laughs> Good.
3: God. Go Sid. So Sid's
4: thirty, right? Is he? I th- Thirty-one. Yeah.
3: Thirty-one. Okay. Oh, you're no, old. No, thirty-two. Because the- it- I'm going to be thirty-three this year. Mm-mm. You're th- oh, oh, you're thirty-two too. He'll be.
5: He'll be thirty-two. On August 7th. Isn't
4: that hard for you? Lo- First off, good job you knowing his birthday. Yeah. Well, it, it, his birthday
5: is his number,
12: oh, 87. Right. He was
5: born 8, 7, 8, in 87, and August 7th, repeat, in 1987. repeat, good job knowing that. Very nice. I <laughs> think everybody knows that, right? No.
4: You no, didn't know that? No. Really? John, did you know that?
3: I did not. That's no. why his number's 87. Okay, very no. nice.
4: Is that really why his number's 87? That yeah. yeah.
3: makes sense, Yeah. Yeah.
4: I'm not kidding. He
3: was born August seventh of eighty-seven. So Correct. eighty-seven, yeah, yeah. Isn't it weird? Like no, this is a guy thing. I remember being like, you know, in my twenties and thirties, and watching baseball, football, hockey, and mm-hmm. going, "Those guys are the same age as me." It,
5: mm-hmm. it is. It is. You know, really yeah, need to watch in that perspective. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
3: and you think what? What happened? You know, what
5: did I do wrong? Right there, yeah. <laughs>
3: the gene pool missed me somehow, or my, uh-huh. my uh, practice regime wasn't nearly as good. I never could hit that fastball. Yeah, right. yeah, but. Uh, Anyway, cool C- for Sid.
4: Cutest to him. So classy. So Pittsburgh, as always. And congratulations on another uh, trip. To, I was going to say another trip to the Pro Bowl. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, if you're looking Talk forward to the Pro Bowl. Talk about something
4: that crashed and died. The Pro Bowl. It is the Pro Bowl. Always. I mean, stunk. It was. It was always horrible. It was always the week after the Super Bowl when nobody cared anymore. No. But then, you know, back when I don't know, I was a really little kid. Football players didn't make a lot of money, so a trip to Hawaii with your family was a big deal. deal. Now they could buy a trip to Hawaii with what they earned, you know, in the in the warm ups before the games. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. And now it's the week before the Super Bowl, and still nobody watches it. Why would you want to watch? And if you're any kind of player, you're probably not going to play because you're afraid you're going to get hurt. Exactly. Horrible football. It's a nightmare.
3: Imagine being hurt in the Pro Bowl and ending your career because of that. Are any All
4: Star games any good? Let's. I mean, really uh no what's the best all-star game
3: i don't think there is one
4: i enjoy the nhl all-star game oh do you see yeah, I,
5: and then the all the little fun little uh tricks that, that they do before the game, like
4: see i think yeah, that's i think that's, I think that's cool shot. i think and i think the skills competition in the nba yes. is kind of fun yeah,
5: yeah i think yeah, the best cool.
4: all-star game is the is baseball
3: do you yeah, yeah. No, i don't think so. No,
4: i think it is Home I, run like Derby. I mean i'm not saying that means it's a good game i'm saying out of all of them don't you think it's the best one
3: uh no, not really. All right. What's don't... the best one then? I would say hockey. Oh would you say hockey? Yeah. All yeah. Because right. hockey players are in a class by themselves. They really are. They're just it's a different breed of guy. I really think so.
4: It is. I don't know who tweeted this the other day. I'd like to give him credit, but I can't think of who it was. But can you imagine after a goal? All the hockey players going over and doing like a fake group no. photo, like they're doing in the NFL. Oh. <laughs> and can you picture that? Don't you that? hate that so much? Oh, no, they you, skate to the who, bench and if they if fist you know bump who, everybody. Right. Yeah. If you know who tweeted that, I really would like to give them props. What, that was where a great did that line. come from? Is, it's is that, so stupid. is that new this year? Yeah, I I don't think I it think happened so, last year. Ugh, I hate it.
3: The group photo.
4: I hate it. Oh, the I worst. think the players are trying
5: to stick it to. Um, uh, help me out here. The. Um NFL commissioner. What's his Roger name? Goodell. Roger Goodell. Why is that? Because there was a lot of complaints about... Uh, excessive celebrations. Excessive celebra- ce- celebrations, and uh, some of the celebrations weren't, quote-unquote, classy.
3: Uh-huh. Well, that group photo thing is, yeah, that's pure class. <sighs> oh,
5: so somebody made a comment, can these players actually... Do something fun and smart
3: I mean sir, don't you just love it Like when you watch and College fun. football And the guy like Scores a touchdown He lays the ball down Right and they and get runs all, And running. they get
4: all excited And yeah. they go hug each other
3: can, go, we, can we just do that Yeah I mean please I'll Tell I mean, you one
4: thing A.B.
5: needs to take classes Don't even go City there Crosby. Don't listen. Yeah don't even
3: go there right? I don't even know What to say about there, that not, What do you point. say about that nothing more To nothing say at this, this point, point. All right, It'll well, play itself out
4: When we come back It's uh, celebrity birthdays Oh And one of them Is an NFL quarterback Really But not Ben
3: all right, stick around. Same Happy draft there.
4: Same draft class though.
7: Hundreds of ministries have discovered the success of a partnership with OnePlace.com, the largest online Christian broadcast platform on the web. Here's Greg Laurie. By partnering with OnePlace, we've been able to expand our online ministry in a way that complements our current web strategy for maximized outreach and impact. And John MacArthur. Many of the new listeners we reach here each day through OnePlace are now faithful ministry supporters. Introduce your ministry to our audience. Visit us at OnePlaceRadio.com. Sylvania is always looking to improve their headlights to help people see farther and drive safer. So they developed
2: their Silver Star Ultra headlights to have greater clarity and the brightest down-road visibility. So now you can see what you've been missing. Sylvania, think farther down the road. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership. But not the Word FM discount shopping club. No, in our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more, all from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Log on now to wordfm.com slash shopping, and I'll see
18: you at the
2: club. Thank you. Oh, today is your
11: birthday,
3: and I wish you many, many When's your birthday, Mike?
4: September 15th.
3: September 15th, Kath. May. All uh, May as well, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our birthdays are a long ways That's away. right,
4: so we're not wishing every birthday to ourselves, no, however. No, no. Uh, Eli Manning's birthday is today. Same Eli. draft class as Ben. Yeah. Remember the big old, you know, furor about he was going to be drafted by the Chargers and then his dad wouldn't allow it because it was, you know, the Chargers were a horrible organization at that point. And so they ended up – I don't even remember how that happened, but he ended up with the Giants. Two Super Bowls. Mm -hmm.
3: Um, So just fine. A
4: terrific career, even though they have completely bottomed out the last two seasons. But anyway, happy birthday to Eli Manning. How old do you think Eli
3: is? Hmm. 36. Eight. 38.
4: Yeah, I was surprised by that because it it was the same draft class as Ben, so I thought they'd be the same age. How old's Ben? 36. Oh.
3: Maybe Eli just you know flunked a few classes That's college. probably
4: what it was, because right. they're a family of slackers. Yeah, right. He looks like he's 12, though. He, he does. does. He yeah. really does. Yeah. Um, also, Mel Gibson's birthday. Oh, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson is, uh, uh, I actually don't remember how old he is. I'm
3: say 62. I would say Mel Gibson's 71. Okay. I have no idea. All right. I'm just guessing.
4: Uh, he's 63. Oh, oh, my gosh.
3: Holy heck. I blew oh, that totally. That Sorry, list. Mel. He looks like he's 71.
4: Okay, so you think of Mel Gibson, what do you think of? <laughs> Braveheart. <laughs> you think of Braveheart? Braveheart. Okay, and uh, the Patriot.
3: Uh, I think of Mad Max. <laughs> okay. But then I also think of his explosion.
4: Yes, I think of his explosion first, and then I think of Lethal Weapon.
3: Okay. Um, yeah, Lethal Weapon with Danny Glover. Yeah. Th- that series. Very yeah, st- that was
4: very funny. So um, Mel
3: Gibson was probably one of the biggest, the top two or three stars in Hollywood in the 1990s, mm-hmm. eight, 80s and 90s. And he, start- he started with Mad Max in the 70s. But then in 2006, uh, he was pulled over for drunk driving and went on this deeply anti Semitic rage against uh, the Jewish population in Hollywood. Uh, Then he was, his girlfriend accused him of yada yada. I don't even remember all the details. A lot of stuff. And um, it was just one sort of bottom out after another. And then finally, he did bottom out. And mm-hmm. he was essentially shunned by Hollywood after the anti Semitic remarks. And it was a which number of years. Which was
4: fitting, for sure. Sure.
3: And so it was a number of years before he started to work again. Uh, then he he directed the film Hacksaw Ridge, which, which was I nominated
4: I did, for an Academy Award last year, and, I think in 16. Did you see it? No.
3: I did not. Did you see it? No, I did not. No. no so neither of have I seen Hacksaw That was Ridge. a story
4: about Afghanistan, I think. Am I right about that? Uh, no, I not Pretty sure it was I don't about know. Afghanistan. Anyway, it, it it was very well uh, rated, which means a lot of people just didn't okay. like it. So but the critics new, loved it. Yeah.
3: So now he's got a new film in production called um, – it's a remake of The Wild Bunch.
4: I don't even know what that is. That
3: was a, a classic 60s Western. You know, sort Speaking of, like the of a Western, group.
4: I'm pretty sure he was in Maverick.
3: Oh, yeah. He was, was in Maverick. Okay.
4: Jodie Foster and uh-huh, uh, Rockford Files. Uh, James Garner. Yes. That is a great film. Is it that really? That is a funny – campy film. Really? James How can you... Are you not a James Garner fan? Oh, no. Fan? I'm a
3: big James Garner you fan. You would
4: love... It's It's a funny film. Now, here's the thing. I haven't seen it in decades, and so it might not hold up. Maybe you'd watch it and say, oh, this is so cheese dated in Cheeseball. But at the time... You liked it. I really liked it a lot. Okay. And I wasn't a Jodie Foster fan, but hmm. I kind of became one.
3: Because of Maverick. Really?
4: Yeah. Really? I really did. <laughs> I never thought she could do a role oh, like that. Oh, I love Jodie Foster. And she was great. Huh. She was just great. I remember being five years old watching the Rockford Files thinking that this oh, was James the Garner. cutting edge of television he was so funny and the fact that my parents let me watch a whole hour of it was just
3: you know he's such a, a witty guy And he had a big film career before he took over to television which is you know sort of the path uh, the film was Shirley MacLaine uh, so right? Magnolias? no he played like an American serviceman and no she was in Japan uh, I just think he was always funny. It broke my heart. Um, years later, I, I read that he was a de- he had a depressive personality. And you just think, oh, yeah, isn't that, that crushes everyone and anyone. And, you, you know, you're heroes. You look up to them and go, oh, that poor guy's having a hard time.
4: But we love Jim Rock.
3: I sure do. Yep. Anyway, hey, thanks for being with us. Ride Home with John and Kathy,
2: a production of Word FM and Salem Communications.